Welcome back. This is the Alchemist Nation podcast. My name is Gualter Amarello, and I get to travel all across the country and talk to successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs and learn some of the tidbits and pieces of knowledge that they're looking to give back as a contribution for the success that they've had. The Alchemist Nation podcast is here for your success. David Gerber, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow. I, I need 10% of that, 10% of that energy. That's awesome. I'll send it over in an email. <laughs> <laughs> so David, uh, you're an awesome uh, entrepreneur. You're an awesome person, a uh, good friend. And we've hung out a lot online and I, I've gotten to see you, uh, some of the stuff that you've been doing. Uh, so how, how are you looking at uh, 2021, right? Like, so we were just talking a little bit before this and as a successful entrepreneur, as somebody who's done really well in real estate and, and business in, in general, what is it that you see happening and, and kind of how, how did 2020 go for you? Wow, you know, it's a good question, and I and I and I struggle with it. Um, you'll, you'll you'll get to know. I actually think about your questions and and answer them honestly. No no no, no canned responses. You know, twenty twenty has been so difficult for so many people, right? And it's been it's been brutal. I mean, economically, physically, um, socially. I mean, with what we've seen recently, even into twenty twenty one. But but I'll say that there is another side of that coin, and you know, selfishly, I have been able to spend a lot more time with my family. Um, I've been able to travel a lot less, which is great. And I've had more time and I've deepened some relationships. And so, you know, there, there are, there is another side of the coin that, that I'm actually incredibly grateful for. And the more people I speak to, I, I think, I think there's been some of that too. I think we're all beginning to connect with one another just a little bit more in a way that you can't help but connect when you're stuck in the, you know, the same four walls for months. So in a lot of ways, the, the virus brought, so you're, you're just a very positive person, right? So you found the, the good in it uh, and you've, you built some deeper relationships. Uh, so what would you say it's done for your business, right? 2020, how did it affect your business? Yeah, my, my business has benefited in, in, Many ways, um, I think it's it's allowed me to deepen my connection with my investors. I mean, look, it was hard, right? The spring was difficult and scary, and I think that's when people learn a lot about who you are as as an investor, um, as as a partner. Um, how are you going to handle adversity when things are going great? Everybody's happy, and you know, there's really not a whole lot of test. Um, but when things are difficult, you, you, you learn a lot. And so I learned a lot about my partners specifically, um, how they were willing and able to engage with residents, make sure that they were healthy and safe, um, but also from a business perspective, make sure that if they weren't allowed or not allowed, if they weren't able to, to, to make rent, that, that they found ways to help them. And there are lots of organizations that were helpful. They're, not every case was perfect. Um, but I think we try to do the right thing in all cases. And I think that that, that test taught us a lot about who we wanted to be as operators. Um, and as I said, the investors too. I think we decided to um, curtail distributions on a lot of our investments. And you know what? We worried about that decision and we thought it was the right thing to do to be prudent. Without exception, every single investor said, you know what? I agree, that's the right thing to do. This is one year, um, you know, we're behind you. So. Um, so we, we've worked more closely. Now, um, I think we've also, we, I, have had a chance to really think more deeply about, about what this business is and the types of investments I want to make. And, 
And we can talk about that separately, but I think COVID has given me the time to really sort of uh, engage and, and think more strategically about the business. I, I like that, Dave. So uh, for anybody who's listening, David is a syndicator or, you know, see uh worded uh, operator and likes to put these deals together for investors and uh, then has somebody who goes out and actually manages these properties as uh, he referred to them as his partners, uh, which by the way, I love the terminology. You've got a very, um, <laughs> a very human way of looking at this business. And so that's a, a really cool approach. Uh, so I know everybody loves to measure units. How many units are you currently controlling or how many units are you currently operating? Sure. Um, when I look at my participation, um, and they're not 100% me, right? I'm, you know, it's, it's important. That, that partnership is, is real. Um, it's about 1,800 units. Nice. So there's, there's 1,800 units, and this is how we'll word it, right? Is uh, 1,800 units that are actually benefiting from you being involved in those deals. Yeah, I like the way you were that. Yeah, well said, well said. <laughs> and, and that's that's what um, I love how humble you are because uh, a lot of the people who syndicate and uh, are in your position uh, talk very similarly. Uh, you'll have, like you hear, um, I, I was had Rod Cleef on the podcast a couple uh, weeks ago and had uh, Stephen, uh, I'm trying to think of his last name, uh, Stephen Breton was on the podcast yeah. uh, and uh, Matt Pashani and, they're very authentic, very clear about, hey, look, I don't own all of these units together. I'm in this with partners. Like, this is how we do it. Uh, but by having our partners, and yes, we have a lot of units, and some of them are like you, you know, 1,800 units or 2,000 units or 1,500. And it's a team effort. And so with that team effort, very, very little actually ends up coming away from everybody. And it's a much easier way of owning property. Yeah, look, I mean, if you spoke to my wife and you asked her how handy I am or how, you know, whether I could fix anything, like, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses, right? And, and, and I don't know which end of the hammer to grab. So you, 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 you need, you need to find partners for sure. I love that. So Dave, how did you, uh, so going back, so now that we know where, where you were at, how'd you get into real estate? How'd you decide that this is, you know, how I'm going to spend my time and my energy. And, and when I talk about COVID happening, I'm building a relationship with my investors. Like what, where did this initial real estate bug bite you? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I think about that story. Um, I mean, I remember exactly where I was. It was probably about 10 years ago, believe it or not. And at the time I was a, I was a portfolio manager at a, at a mutual fund company. And um, it was a tough environment. It was a really tough environment. And, and, and I loved it in many ways and hated it in others. Um, and I had a just brutal CIO, this boss who, yeah, he had a big ego, right? And he wanted to let you know that he was the boss. And you know, I had this big promotion and I was able to kind of, it, it, I was given this portfolio and it's like, you know, you've got to buy and sell these stocks that based on your ideas and you're going to own the performance and this is for your investors. And I love that. And, and, and I took it so seriously. I was working, you know, when I wasn't working, I was thinking, so it was 24 seven, right? Um, I took a trip down to New York and came back and he didn't say anything to me, but I discovered two days later and he actually made some trades in the portfolio because he disagreed with some of the things I was doing, right? So I was pissed, <laughs> so pissed, right? And I stormed into his office and this, 
you know, I think I was, I was probably, yeah, I was you know, 40 years. I shouldn't be doing this, right? And I was so emotional. I ran into his office and you know me, like I don't get worked up really about anything. And went into his office and I said, you know, I won't, I won't, I won't use the word that I <laughs> expletive, use. Expletive, expletive. Yeah. You know, like, how can you do this, right? And, and he said, look, you know what? You don't like it, get out. And I said, you know what? I'm done. And, and I walked out went home, stormed back to my apartment, so pissed, right? So fired up. And you know what? I realized, it must have been about an hour later, I realized I wasn't angry about the trades. It's a couple of trades. I was angry because this guy owned me. He owned me and there was nothing I could do about it. You know, I had a young daughter, um, just got married. I needed that job. This was the, the peak of my career, the way I thought about it. And from there on in, I came back and, you know, obviously I grovel and I did whatever I needed to do to get back into his good graces. Um, but I knew from there that I needed to find a way to have some independent income and, and a way to offset, you know, just, just to have, have the freedom to be able to leave when, when, when my values conflicted um, with my employer. I needed to be able to do what I needed to do for myself. Um, and that's a, that's a long story, but 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 it's really it's really what fueled the effort to get into real estate. And I'll, I'll give you sort of the, uh, the, the the shorter end of the story is. So I spent years trying to find exactly what that would be, and I looked at businesses. I looked at um, lots of different ways I could I could sort of develop something on the side while I was still kind of working in finance. And I stumbled upon real estate for all the reasons we do. And look, as an investor for twenty five years, I'm thinking man, I'm in the wrong asset class. I've been looking at stocks my whole life. And um, there's so many things that you already know we can talk about, of course, that, that, that I loved about real estate. Um, and so I went all in. And this is the last part that I think was really important and why it became a business rather than just an investment for me. So I discovered there, there, there were really two ways you could go about investing directly in um, large apartments, the way I sort of saw it. You could go with these big, massive funds and REITs. Um, and that's certainly an option. But then I looked at the fees and the lack of transparency. And you know, there were all sorts of issues that, that I had with that structure. And it's fine for plenty of people. But for me, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I, and I guess the other way to do it is to work with sort of smaller operators. Um, but turns out the guys who were any good, they didn't need my money because they kept it small because the returns were good. So um, I was sort of stuck in the middle. And so, so I realized I needed to find partners, getting back to that word, I needed to find partners that, that, that wanted to work with me, that wanted some capital, but also wanted my involvement in oversight and asset management and underwriting and bringing some of my skills to the table um, to be able to help them and their investors um, so that I could help me fix my own problem and my investors, because there are lots of people that were, turns out, in the same situation that I was. So I was able to help them, too. Yeah, and you're- long well, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I no, I love it. I love it. Dave, you you followed the, the entrepreneur's journey, right? So you had a need yourself. You, you said, I'm not working for somebody else. And then you, you found something that would move you forward, move your family forward. And then you brought other people like you along, right? Other people who are looking for- So there's a lot of people, and I know that- if you're listening to this and you're not one of those, you will be. Just keep listening, keep putting the work behind it. But there's a lot of people who are in a situation where they've got the money sitting there and it's like, man, like I don't 
want to go do the work. I don't want to go and uh, do the, the research or fly out to that building or do this extra stuff. Or maybe I will fly out, but I need somebody there to pull the trigger and make sure that everything goes smoothly. But it's, it's, I've got to get my money moving, right? And like you said, stocks, there's a lot of reasons to do it. And there's a lot of reasons not to do it. And there's a lot of uh, benefits to every asset class, uh, but real estate has a ton of really cool benefits that make it a, a super desirable asset class and uh, tax benefits just being one of them, cash flow another. Uh, the, the, I mean, there's a lot of tax benefits. And when we talk tax benefits, you can go into taxes, the, all the different ways real estate makes, makes money. But I, I'd rather keep it uh, simple so that we don't, we don't lose anybody today. So uh, Dave, what do you see happening in 2021, right? Like as, as an investor who's buying like hundreds of units, hundreds of units a year are, are what you, you don't think in terms of I'm buying a duplex this year, right? You look at, am I buying two portfolios or three portfolios? Is it, uh, you know, I, I don't think you'd look at anything under 100 units. Is that fair to say? Um, normally that's true. I think we're trying in a few markets, we're finding some opportunities, um, that we're underwriting down to 75, but, th but that would be, that would be small. Excellent. So you look at 75 as small, whereas most people, their portfolio goal, and I'd say most people, what I mean is the, the 2% or 5% that are investing in real estate, that already minority are looking at 75 as their end goal life life situation. So you're, you're really involved in this business, right? So you're doing big swings and big chunks. What do you see happening in 2021 that uh, the average investor who's looking to maybe invest with you or another syndicator or do their own deals, maybe they're just looking at their first duplex. What would you give uh, for as much information as you have? Because obviously we can't predict the future. But so far, what are you doing to put in place systems and rules for evaluating deals and um, maybe making sure that you manage them properly, knowing that this could last for a while. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't have a crystal ball and I think it gets back to that, that humility. I think that, um, I think the guy that answers that question too quickly is, you know, maybe, maybe suspect out of the gate. Uh, I think 2020 taught us that more than, more than any other year, right? Nobody has any idea. Um, but, but there are things that, that, that we're seeing and, and I would point to one example that's really changed the way I'm thinking about my business. Um, you know, I, I haven't invested in Massachusetts or, or New England, really. I've always looked at, at more attractive markets. And again, that scale that, that we talked about is what allows me to do that. It, it, it provides enough cash flow to support professional on-site management. And so for me, I've always looked at, at growing markets that are business friendly, landlord friendly, um, just the most attractive markets. But when I think about the way COVID has affected a lot of the markets that I've already liked, many of them have inflected. They've become even more attractive now. And, you know, right, I'll give you an example. I mean, obviously people, Texas is, is, is you know, the most obvious example. Um, but North Carolina is a market that I've been spending a ton of time looking at. North Carolina for the last 20 years has been growing. You know, I should have had the numbers prepared. It's, it's been one of the five fastest growing. Exponentially. Yeah, quickly. It's been growing quickly. Yep. Um, but it's, it, it's been one of the five fastest growing states pretty consistently now for, for the last 20 years. Um, and in fact, what we've seen is a lot of the markets within North Carolina are growing population and even rent 
because as some of that, um, some of the COVID effects have uh, reallocated resources from say building big apartment buildings, office, you know, build big uh, residential towers in city centers. Um, now they're going into suburbs um, or they're going into single family house, housing rentals. I mean, there, there, there's sort of a big question mark about how uh, resources are reallocated. And I say that because that uncertainty is helpful because what it does is reduces a lot of that potential oversupply. When things are really clear and capital's really cheap, um, interest rates are really low, which they are. We see. You would have a ton of people building as fast as they can. I, I think you may maybe have a little bit less of that because of the uncertainty. And so as a result, I'm focused on a lot of the same markets. Um, and, and again, North Carolina is one that, that I really like quite a bit. That's awesome. I, I like that. And I've read a book uh, recently called Big Shifts Ahead. Are you familiar with it? No, no. So it, it talks about demographic um, and migratory patterns, which is something that uh, Ken McElroy has been talking about a lot yeah. in uh, in his arena. And actually, he just put out a YouTube video today that Arena sent me, and I'm dying to go watch it. So <laughs> I watched like I five minutes. send it over to me too. Please do. I, I will send it over to you. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really when we look at demographic patterns, we look at the South and we look at states like North Carolina or Florida or Texas or Georgia, yeah. and we see a lot of investors who are really doing well there doing even better because of COVID. Because even me, I'm, I took COVID as an opportunity to go to the South. I said, hey, you know what? There's no reason for me to be in New England right now. And I'm not needed here. Like physically, we're not meeting up or doing anything. I can be anywhere I want. And I don't think I'm the only person making those moves. And I think that uh, cities and states that are much more inexpensive and have better weather are really benefiting from COVID right now. Like North Carolina is a perfect example. And everybody from New England looks at North Carolina prices and says, man, I should go rent there. I should go live there. I should go buy a house there. And when they look at the weather and it snows like a week out of the year, they're like, this is not bad. You know, <laughs> this is a, a tremendous improvement. And you're still on the ocean, so you still got the East Coast, and you're still in the same timeline, time zone. Flights are pretty inexpensive from North Carolina. So uh, there's a lot of benefits uh, to that market. So it makes a lot of sense that you would uh, make those decisions. So Dave, where, where do you see yourself uh, going in the future, right? So where do you see yourself investing uh, 2021, we'll say, uh, going forward? Sure. Um, we're actually, I, I'm... I'm... I'm not going to mention something that I'm currently working on because I don't think yeah. I, I should. No specifics so on, on, on deals. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. Um, I, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll answer that question picking up on my last answer because um, I, I, I do think we'll be doing a lot in North Carolina this year. And and, and there was a sort of a, who was it? I can't remember who sort of came up with this idea, right? But may, was it maybe, maybe, maybe it is Ray Dalio. I don't know. But, but, but there's like first principles thinking, right? You know, which is really important. But then it's sort of the second order consequences, right? And so, you know, we, we see these changes in North Carolina. There's a lot of movement into that state. We get that. What's really interesting, though, is the way that that's forcing internal migration within the state, the second order consequences. Because it turns out Charlotte and Raleigh kind of getting a lot more expensive to live in now too. So a lot of people are moving to cities like Greensboro and High Point. And there are other places where we're seeing they're a lot more affordable, a yeah. lot more affordable. And I think over time, um, everything you've just described about the South, I think continues to support a lot of these more attractive, smaller cities that 
again, for, for, um, for millennials and, and Gen Z, that's the kind of place they want to be. Um, no traffic, affordability, good technology, I, I, all this good stuff. Um, I, I think that continues. And so it's the secondary cities and places like North Carolina that, that I expect to be doing a lot more in. I, I love that, Dave. What you just said, and as you know, as a, a millennial, or you know, yeah, I guess I'm I'm the middle of millennials. I 100% connected with you. When I came to Tampa, I thought the same thing. I was like, I got to be within 20 minutes from an airport. I've got to have no traffic. I cannot live in a in a city with traffic. I, there's no reason for it, right? Like, I'm not going to any of the places these people are going to, right? <laughs> I just want to go to the coffee shop, or I want to go to the restaurant. And I don't want to deal with anybody. So. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not there for a large population of people to, to like be driving with. And uh, in the, the main market, like I can't stand Miami, right? Like I cannot spend time in Boston. I can't spend time in L.A. because everything that I want to do takes this a tremendous amount of time to transport there. Whereas, you know, in, in a city like Greensboro, right, secondary markets, even even tertiary markets, like, you know, I, I could think long far enough into the future to deal with the tertiary market. Uh, you know, that's that's what I invested in Fall Rivers, tertiary market, and it's an hour away from the airports or 30 minutes away from airports, but it's um, it has the potential. And, you know, obviously five years into it or seven years into it, we've seen we've seen that potential. So um, what you're doing in North Carolina is kind of that middle ground where the secondary market, you're not going with all the competition of the, the main market. In fact, you're feeding off of it. Like people are moving in your direction, not just from the main market where you're at, but also other main markets across the country that are less desirable. They're going to North Carolina. And uh, the fact that you're pioneering it and you're, you're ahead of other investors, I'm sure there's always, you have people who are ahead of you. So you don't see yourself as a pioneer, but in a lot of ways you are. You're helping other investors move into a market that makes a lot more sense. And you're, you're really thinking long-term about this, You know, the future, where's this going? So Dave, I, I really, I, I've learned a lot so far from your mindset of how you invest and uh, the structure you have. But if we could go back and give three pieces of advice, you go back to your 20 year old self and just time travel back and say, hey, this is what you could do. Three pieces that would improve your business, improve the speed with which you build your wealth and maybe the better quality relationships. Cause that's how we started this, uh, this conversation out. Yeah. Well, you know, if I go back 20 years, 20, well, my 20 year old self, my 20 year old self, that's even more than 20 years ago. My 20 year old self, that was 1990, um, not to tell you too much here, which I'm not- We, we don't want to age you, right? <laughs> yeah, like the Patriots were, were, were one in 15 with Mark Wilson as the quarter. So I feel like, you know, there's hope, there was hope. Uh, so so, so stay, uh, stay faithful, uh, the Pats have a, have a guy from San Mateo that, 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 that may actually grow up to help you one day. So, um, but let's see, my, my, my 20 year old self, um, you know, I would say, I'd say everybody would say read, right? Read more and learn more. Um, but but, but I, would, I would put a slight spin on that because that was something that I heard then and, and I tried to take to heart. Um, I would read differently, read for quality versus quantity. Um, and I would read really carefully and take great notes about what you learn and think about the way um, what you're learning connects with other things. I think um, I, I've been spending a lot of time on this lately and it's something that I, I have a great regret. I, like many people, like you, like we've all read a ton of books and sometimes you actually sort of take a note in the margin. Um, 
but that's not enough. That's almost like not, if you don't take notes, it's not like, it's like you didn't even read the book, you know, and if, if you just make little notes in the margin, it's like you didn't even take notes, you know, so you got it, you got to put in a lot of work. Um, obviously, this is something I've been thinking a lot about, um, but I'll tell you over time that like money, knowledge compounds. And I think that would be something I wish that I had done a lot more of. Um, and then I think also you, you, you touched on it, which is relationships and, and, not anything that I would do dramatically differently, but I think there's that awareness of, of, of thinking first about what you can do for somebody else, right? I've always been somebody who wants to help. I, I, I just, by nature, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, but I think I would have doubled down on, on the quality of, of those relationships and really thinking more carefully about what I can do to help other people and there's, it's totally selfless, um, but yes, it does come back to you. And, and, and I think there's real value in that. And so, yeah, there's, there's, that appreciation comes with a bit of maturity. So if I could have kind of convinced myself of that, that would have been fantastic. Um, yeah, and I think um, other than that, um, yeah, I, oh, I have to come up with a third. I, I think honestly, it, it would have been to, um, live within my means at all times and to continue to invest. We, we know we should always invest everybody's personal finance 101. And, you know, hopefully you, you, we learned that lesson early on. Um, but I've seen it. Um, I, I'm certainly guilty of this myself. And I've seen a lot of other people I know who are so excited you get that first big paycheck and you're finally making what you think is big money, right? There it is. There it is. And guess what? your lifestyle changes and you start spending more and you start spending more and those, those, those fun things become fixed costs and expectations in your life. And so, um, you know, to the extent that you can maybe scale back some of that increase and continue to be disciplined about investing, I think that's, that's a great recipe for success. And, I love and, that. And, and I'm going to wrap one last line though on that is that because the way I think about it, it, it's not, it's not so much that, it creates more wealth because it does, but it gets back to that original story. It creates the freedom to be able to do what you want with your time. I, I love that qualification right at the end because it is ultimately, what are you doing with your time that makes the most of your life? And um, yeah, just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal interview, uh, David. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, what is the easiest way for somebody to reach out to you? If somebody wanted to learn more about your deals or uh, wanted to invest with you, what is the easiest contact information that you could drop for us? Sure. It's easy. David at coveinvestments.com or you can go right to the website at coveinvestments.com. Coveinvestments.com. That's C-O-V-E investments.com. That's it. Awesome. David Gerber, thank you so much for hanging out with us. You are an alchemist. Cheers to your success, my friend. I'm looking forward to working with you in the future. Uh, you've got a very, very solid business model. And I'm going to say that you are the king of North Carolina. If you'll accept the <laughs> throne. <laughs> Walter, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. And for everybody at home, if you could go to iTunes and write a review for this podcast, it helps us with uh, ranking up and so we can get more people on here. So I definitely appreciate you for listening, for improving yourself and moving yourself forward with the education. Take the tips that Dave gave you today because they are valuable and they, they run across all gamuts of your life. So take them to heart. There are three very valuable principles and learn more about real estate investing on the Alchemist Nation podcast. Cheers to your success when you have a choice. Always work with the best.